Hello, hello, and welcome to Expat Chronicles. This is Kim and Lizzie, and we are here for a very special, once again, I know I always say that. I always say that our expat, our recordings are special, but this one's very special because we have someone here who is gonna give us such great information, but I'm gonna leave that to Lizzie to explain. But before we begin, once again, welcome to Expat Chronicles. Okay, guys. All right. So welcome back. Um, um, as I was saying before, we have a very special guest with us. And also, I just want to throw this out here. We also have a small little audience, the first time ever for Expect Chronicles. So we're super excited. Say hi. Hey. Okay, so we're here live and ready to do this recording for you guys to hear this information that we have to share. So I'm going to go ahead and pass it on to Lizzie because Lizzie, hey, how are you doing? I'm good, Kim. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you. All right. Okay, so we've got a special one. Um, special and amazing. We got her to agree to scheduling. Her booking is tight yes, and yes. great because she's also family and it's such a pleasure to be able to sing her praises, especially for amazing women who do mighty things and never yes. get recognition. Yes, right. agreed. So this today we have Tenji Moyo. Welcome Ooh. Tenji. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Go it out there. <laughs> Tenji is the legal director and head of employment at Gately. And she comes with a lot of accolades. So I'm just going to name three, just three. <laughs> She was named Employment Lawyer of the Year for 2022, Diversity Initiative of the Year 2022, Equality Initiative of the Year 2022. Wow. And right now she is gearing and getting ready to participate in the trade mission to Saudi for women in business on the 1st and 2nd of March. Right, so shout out to Tenji and thank you for coming. Thank you guys for having me. I'm so excited and delighted to be here. Welcome Tenji. I'm so happy as well. All right, this is this is great. And first, before we we know that Lizzie just gave us slight background information of who you are and what you do, but can you give us a little bit more of just your years here? Because we're in the UAE and how long you've been in here here and just just a little bit more about you. Yeah, absolutely. So I have been here for almost 13 years. So I consider the UAE home away from home. Um, and where I, is home? Just to clarify. Where so is I'm home? from Zimbabwe, born okay. in the UK. Awesome, yes. So um, having lived in Zimbabwe, the UK, South Africa, I feel Dubai is a great fit for me because I'm so used to all the different cultures. Um, but yes, I've been here for 13 years and counting, absolutely love it here and enjoy doing what I do. So thank you for the warm introduction. Um, I am an employment lawyer. Now that is my main area of specialism, dealing with employment law, immigration law, um, and really on a day-to-day -day basis, mainly dealing with expats. So Expat Chronicles is exactly the place where I need to be today. Thank you. Yes, and we're Yay. happy to have you here. Yes. Uh, and so just like you said, you, you deal with this the employment factor, and that's really what we want to dive into here. Yeah. It's just, you know, ask you those questions that a lot of people don't know about as expats. You know, it, it's so lovely to have that 
to have that contract be given to us mm. to be abroad to to do these things but at the same time a lot of people don't actually know what goes into working so far away from home and so yeah. we would love to really dive into that and started off with just really understanding how um when it comes to that to that contract what are some of the red flags that you would say that people experience when it comes to getting that initial contract and contemplating that moving abroad yeah i think it's very important to before you move to the uae kind of understand the law and want some of the the ter- the standard terms and conditions that you find in most contracts mm-hmm. so of course we know everyone they get a job, they want to get paid. So you right. want your basic salary. Right. But what we find um, in the Middle East are some allowances that tend to be um, <clears throat> standard practice. So, mm-hmm. you know, housing allowance, transportation allowance, flight allowance. Right. But mm-hmm. it's important for people to know that these are not mandatory benefits. Wow. It's more market practice. I did so not people, yeah, wow. people assume... <laughs> They're entitled to a ticket home every year. It's not in the labor law. Oh. It's, it's market practice, okay? <clears throat> uh, and people assume they're entitled to housing allowance or um, uh, transportation allowance. Mm-hmm. It's just customary. So we have many people who are just on a basic salary only. And that's okay oh. too, right? right? So, But when we talk about what's mandatory, yes, you must have your ticket back home. If you're coming to the end of your contract, for example, you come to termination. Mm -hmm. Um, It's very important to understand, for example, end of service gratuity, which which gets paid at the end of your employment, is only calculated on your basic salary. Right, right. So always look for that. So if you're talking about red flags, um, look at the ratio between your basic salary and allowances. We we always recommend not less than 50% of the overall compensation should be your basic salary. What we tend to see as a market trend is usually about 60, 60, 40. Um, It's not there in the law to say it must be 60, 40. But again, the basic salary must not be so low that it can be deemed shambolic. Okay. So we have had cases where someone's on like, I don't know, 1,000 dirhams basic Basic salary. salary. And then every month they get 60,000. Of course, when they go to court, the court's going to say that's a sham. So very important to make sure that your um, basic salary is proportionate to the allowances. So that's a massive red flag. Yeah, that's that's huge. I'm I'm curious though, um, if all these other benefits are not mandatory... And you don't get them and your salary or your um, whatever your payment that is made to you every month is not enough to survive, then what happens? I think we need to understand that it's very important for employers to be competitive, right? Mm -hmm. So you want people to work for you. Okay, so if you're going to offer a very low basic... Um, then you need to um, give housing. So, so especially blue-collar workers, for mm-hmm. example, yes. Yes, yeah. they require um, 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 accommodation, right? Yeah. Because their salary is so low. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but what, what companies are now doing is they need to realize or they need to make their compensation, their packages, so attractive to attract people otherwise mm-hmm. you're not going to go there right yeah. Yeah. um so um look at when you're looking at the compensation look and see you know that all the essentials are covered 
what is the annual leave um, uh, requirement? So the statutory yes. minimum, which okay. is the minimum, is 30 calendar days per year. Yeah. But some companies, for example, want to be more competitive. So they'll give you maybe 30 working days, 35 working right, days. Right, or right. some will say, after five years, we'll give you 40. You know, um, so it's very interesting what companies are doing to attract the best talent. So the UAE wants to be you know, the, one of the leading um, um, working economic hubs mm -hmm. in the world, right. you can only do that if you have good compensation yeah, packages. Yeah. Yeah. And the big one, medical care, is that mandatory? Yes, so medical care is mandatory. Everyone who has a visa, your sponsor should provide um, your uh, medical insurance, okay? So everyone should have it. Right. Um, again, <clears throat> make sure, especially if you have anyone who's in HR, who's listening to this podcast, make sure that you don't cancel the insurance on the termination date. Make sure that the employee is still covered during the grace period. Mm -hmm. So when you change jobs, right? Yeah. Oh. You've got maybe that 30-day grace, grace period. And still important if anything happens. Right. So we have had cases where um, something's happened to an employee during the grace period, they haven't got the insurance and the liability still comes on the former sponsor. Mm -hmm. Okay. So the medical insurance should, in our view, um, continue until either the person exits the UAE, changes sponsorship, or the end of the grace period. Okay, that's oh, good to know. That's, that's that to have that you have that thirty day grace period. Yeah. We are aware of that, but we don't know what goes into that thirty day grace period. So that's good to know. So talking about sick leave, because this is something that actually came up recently in terms of probation. Because of course you're coming over here, you have a new contract, you're excited, but like all jobs not just in the uae you're put on probation until yeah. so this question came up in terms of sick leave during probation yeah is that possible are you are you liable to have these couple of days if you get sick i mean because no one knows what's going to happen but yeah. uh, you know i'm hearing these rumblings that if you get sick during probation that's not allowed you might get terminated what what is good the legality question. on that really really good question so um you are not entitled to paid sick leave during okay. probation yes oh, okay. wow. it's paid it's sick paid leave. sick leave. Gotcha. okay so okay. if you're signed off sick yes you're off sick but it might be unpaid okay right so okay. just make sure that you have your medical certificate if you're mm -hmm. unable to work you're unable to work during it but it's, it's more about the payment right right okay after the probationary period if you are sick if you have a sick note then you will be entitled to paid sick leave. Uh, okay, yes. okay, so if we mm -hmm. talk about what the entitlements are per year, you have the first 15 days, which is full pay, mm -hmm. and then um, if for any reason it needs to continue, then it's the next 30 days at half pay, so that's 45 days, and the next 45 days unpaid, 90 days, and then that's it. Okay, oh, wow. so that's, that, that answers and a lot of questions unsure. for us. That's yeah, because yeah. that was something that we were going back and forth with some co-workers in terms of, you know, making sure that they were worried. They're on probation, and they're like, I don't want to take a day, a sick day, because I'm worried they might terminate mm -hmm. me because of just one day. And I'm like, right. termination after one day of sick? Yeah. I mean, you can't help that you're getting sick. I mean, yeah. we just came out of a whole pandemic. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like, you know like, so... Something like that is just something you you really need to know the foundation on because yeah. a lot of people don't know. Like as much as we might read our contracts, 
you know, and some may not, through and through, we still miss out on those little things yeah. that are very important and our employers don't really want us to know. Yeah. And very important after the probationary period, if you are um, sick, um, most um, uh, staff handbooks or mm-hmm. most companies will mm-hmm. say after the third day you need to produce a sick note. Right. So um, most employers are quite happy for the first, I don't know, two to three days exactly. for you to self-certify. Exactly. They're not coming in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but then afterwards, if it's a longer period, mm-hmm. then you need... A but I feel like the UAE is just now catching up with that. I don't know if that's been something that's been happening for mm-hmm. a years back, but I know, especially in, in my job, and Lizzie and I's job, we just this year got that allowance yes for that Mm. every years before it was you must have a a doctor's leave you must eat one day two day it didn't matter you had to have so i don't know if that's just the uae catching up with the times would you say that or they're just it was just at this point this company at the time no so um the the labor law changed in february okay um, of last year okay um uh, and and what it actually changed was the self certification from two days to three days. Okay. So the okay. self certification oh, was actually always there. there, but but I I can I can imagine depending on um, industry mm-hmm. some yeah. some um, you know rules so, depending yeah. on what you do. Yeah. I suppose you guys are teachers. Yes. Yeah. It's a little bit more um, stringent than others. So, I have another question on yeah. on sick leave. So the day of the week does that affect your sick leave? Because we hear of um, if you're sick on a Monday, then you need a medical certificate covering the weekend as well. Or if you're sick on a Friday, you need medical leave covering the weekend as well. Otherwise, um, I, I guess it comes from people playing the mick where yeah. they're absent. But legally, when you look at it from a legal standpoint. Look, so there's no longer an official day of the week anyway. So under the you know previously under the old law Friday was the official rest day. Right. So now your rest day can be Wednesday. So I haven't come across a rule that says if you're off sick Monday, mm-hmm. um, you would because I would count that as day one, okay. of of non attendance on 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 a, being a count of of sick leave. If you you are working Monday to Friday, and many people in the UA are not, as you know, we yeah. go to the malls. People are working, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. it just depends. Okay, right. Another one, just on the employment contracts. So when you come, when you on board, you're given a contract before you leave your country. That's if you're hired externally. Yeah. And then when you do arrive, you're usually given another contract that you need to sign. Mm-hmm. That is given to the Ministry of, I think it's Labour. Yeah. My question is, um, so if there's a discrepancy between the two contracts, yeah. either because um, some people get that contract officially when they arrive, some people have to sign that one officially when their probation period is over. Um, yeah. But if there's a discrepancy between the two contracts, mm, yeah. the one you initially were given and the one that you're asked to sign, mm. then what happens? I think that's a good question. And I think that happened a lot. People were offered a lot of money to come to the UAE. Mm-hmm. They sell their house. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, uh, you know, resign from their jobs. They right. come to the UAE, and then when they sign their contract, it's completely different terms to what they were offered when they were outside. Right. So, what the um, Ministry of Labour or Ministry of Human Resources and Emeritization um, made uh, some changes a couple of years ago, which essentially means if somebody receives a an offer letter when they're outside. When they come in, so if you come in on an entry permit, 
they, the um, employer is bound to those terms and conditions, okay. um, but can only improve on that. Um, you know, it's good to know. Yeah. yeah. But you find a lot of people, they come in, they don't have a job, they get a job when they get here. Yeah. So then mm-hmm. basically it would be whatever you agree on the contract that's filed with the ministry or the relevant free zones, depending on where you're working. Okay. Okay. So when people are coming in to work, let's say they're coming in and of course they don't have a job, they're, you know, they're desperate at this point, it's work when they can, working, let's say specifically on weekends. Mm. How, what is, legally, how many weekends a month is one allowed to work depending on, I guess, does it depend on the type of job they have or mm-hmm. like their leave time? Because we know that Friday, like you said, Friday we know is one of those common days where most people have off work because mm-hmm. that is uh, considered a religious holiday here in mm-hmm. the UAE. But how does that work when it comes to that weekend work? Yeah, so now it's um, you're just entitled to a rest day. Oh, whatever okay. the rest day is okay, okay before historically you're right it used to be friday right but that's gone now because i think if you look and see what dubai's like so many people were working on yes, friday yes yeah right yeah. so now um people are entitled to a rest day i mean we know um someone in events their rest day is wednesday mm-hmm. right so they would be entitled to some sort of uplift if they work that whatever the, the rest mm-hmm. day is for them so mm-hmm. your rest day, depending on where you work, is different. It's different, yeah. So the maximum yeah. working hours is 48 um, hours per week, which is on a six-day week. Mm-hmm. So in some industries, like those in construction, it's normal to work a six-day week. Okay. And then wow. they would have that one-day rest day. Just one day, huh? One-day rest day is, is, is fine. That's exactly how it works under the law here. Um, but industry practice, they have the weekend. Yeah. But it's not mandatory. And then overtime. Is that a common phrase we can use in the Middle East? <laughs> what is defined as overtime? Very good question. So overtime, um, we spoke about the maximum working hours. Now, there are some categories of employees that are entitled to overtime payment. Mm-hmm. But there is an exemption if you're considered a supervisor or someone in a supervisory oh. role. So there's some roles, probably like teachers, you'd be considered supervisor. You're in a kind of, you know, um, supervisory position and therefore you're exempt. But if you have junior employees who don't have any supervisory um, uh, responsibilities, if they are asked by their um, you know, manager to work, um, additional time and then they're entitled to um, overtime payment but it must be only a maximum of two hours so you can't oh. you can't like you know say to someone you're working I don't know 16 hour day even though we've heard of uh, such violations um, mm-hmm. but it, it's in, in certain circumstances there are many exemptions of directors those at sea those who work um, you know in factories mm-hmm. uh, there's many exemptions so not everyone's entitled to overtime And just to kind of give context, like Dubai, the UAE, a lot of people, they understand, they know of Abu Dhabi, they know of Dubai, but they don't really understand that Dubai is a bustling city. Abu Dhabi is a bustling city. There are people in and out constantly working, doing a lot of things to help the city grow. You said you've been here for 13 plus year and and I've been here seven years, Lizzie, eight years is it now? Mm -hmm. And we have seen massive growth 
can we say like honestly massive growth in the uae which could not have been done without those working here yeah. without those putting you know leaving their families leaving their homes coming here to really help this country grow so it's really really important it's great that we're having this conversation with tanji to really understand these labor laws because yeah. people come in and a lot of people abuse yeah. what you know this labor this growth that's happening because they see that dubai the uae i don't want to just say dubai but the uae in general is growing massively and right now is the time to really get in and be part of that growth but at the same time you don't want to get caught up in a situation where you're being cheated out of your money you're being yeah. you know uh lied to because yeah. it can easily happen mm -hmm. here uh, as as much as we like to say hey you know people are fair people are this it doesn't matter where you go in in the world there's always going to be someone who's going to say hey I'm going to take this from you. I'm going to I'm not going to give this to you. So it's really good that we're having this conversation to really understand that these these are the our rights yeah. within the UAE. Yeah. And we are allowed to this and we have heard and I want to put this out in positivity facts. We've heard so many success stories yeah. from people yeah. who have come here and got their contract, made their money, left happily. Mm -hmm. Or even if they got into a dispute, went to the went to um the you know to the lawyers to the courts and won their disputes yes. won you know those yes. things so it's not something that's just written and not followed yes. it's something that is written and they understand it and they follow it yeah. and 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 so this is something that i just want to highlight yeah. within this conversation mm -hmm. you know because it's very important that we know that notice this so just moving on all right so, along with just with our lizzie want to join this here because um, I'm, 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 I'm big on, on, on the new labor law yeah <laughs> so with the new labor law there's been a lot of positive changes but I think the sticking point for most people is the change from unlimited contracts to limited contracts yeah. right um, what's the deadline for this for your employer to do this and then the biggest one is is there any safety need um, can terms and conditions of your ter of your employment be changed mm -hmm. as this transition happens? Mm -hmm. And if that happens, are you allowed to walk away if you're not happy with the terms and conditions? Are you allowed to renegotiate the terms and conditions if you feel like the initial terms and conditions were not exactly to your satisfaction? Okay, mm -hmm. okay so let's just start off with the um, difference between the unlimited con contract and the limited contract. So the unlimited contract is a contract which has a clear start date, but it runs open-ended until either party gives notice. A limited contract is one that has a clear start date mm -hmm. and end date. <coughs> Um, so under the new law, when it first came out, they said that the, the term for the limited contract should be limited at three years. Mm. I think there was a lot of pushback. So that cap was removed. So just to, just not to interrupt you really quickly, but just when you say three years, because normally that's the amount visa. of time for our visa. So, but coming in, I got an unlimited contract, okay. right? With a three-year visa. So how, how is that? How so it's that very work? important to um, make a distinction between mm -hmm. the visa right. 
and the contract. Okay. So visa is to do with your residency. Mm-hmm. Your employment contract is to do with your employment. Yeah. Okay. okay. But a lot of people tend to lump the two together mm-hmm. because there mm-hmm. is that administrative um, step that is taken. Right. right? So if we, if we separate your residency from your employment, um, we'll now see that now um, you, you'll have a fixed-term contract. So now, now that the cap has been removed, some companies are, are giving their employees fixed-term contracts for 10 years. Oh. That doesn't mean... That doesn't mean your visa, visa right? Yeah, will okay. be ten years because they can't no. give us a ten year. No, unless you go on to the golden exactly, visa. Exactly. Yeah. But your visa might still be two to three years. Yeah. But your employment will be ten years renewable. Now, what a lot of companies have also said is they've also said, "Look, we want to give our employees the reassurance that nothing's changing." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when we do, when you draft our limited contracts, put in an automatic renewal clause. Right, which basically means when it comes to the end, we're just going to automatically renew it on the same terms and conditions. Okay. Okay. So some contracts are automatically renewing. Mm. Okay. You can also have the renewal where the parties discuss and decide: Are we going to renew on the same terms and conditions? Are we going to change it? What are we going to do? Mm-hmm. So depending on what you on the approach that your employer wants, um, some employers will say, look. Um, we're going to have it for three years. Um, 90 days before the end of the three years, the parties will decide whether they're going to renew or let or the contract, contract expire. Okay. Um, so those are the different ways. Okay. okay. So the main focus of the, the labor law and the contracts, who are they benefiting? Like how, do, how what is, because... Honestly, I'm gonna I'll tell you a story. So when I when I moved to Kuwait, it was pretty uh, kind of blurry how the labor laws worked in Kuwait, right? Okay. And it was just like okay, pretty like okay, we came in, we got our money. It it went it went one two three, so it wasn't a big problem. But we we witnessed others experience other difficulties as well. But it didn't really too much have to do with us, so we kind of moved on to the UAE because we saw that the UAE actually had, at one point, I think I even got the labor law book. Okay, I was like, you know, hey, you know, yeah, like, yes, I was like, yes, we need to read about, you know, our rights, you know, and things like that. And so with that, but at the same time, sometimes you have this feeling that does it really benefit me? Mm-hmm. Does it help me? And being, Tenji, you've been here for 13 years. Would you say that you've seen a progression of growth in how the UAE treats their labor laws, how they treat the people here under the employment status? Or would you say it's just kind of been something where that's just kind of been stagnant and just this is what it is? Like you said, it's improved since last Friday. February, yes. But is it really helping those working here, would you say? I mean, I, I think the laws are becoming more progressive mm. anyway. Okay, <clears throat> good. Okay, so um, if you look at um, the visa changes, mm-hmm. we're now getting the golden visa and the right. green visa. Right, right, Why right. do I like that? Because it's removing, it's really separating your employment to your residency. Good, right? Oh, yes. yes, you're right, yeah. Yes. You lose your job. You're on a golden visa, and you just say. and just for yeah. clarification, because I don't think we really explained the golden visa. Okay. So what is what the is golden it? visa? Okay, so the golden visa is a form of um, self sponsorship, 
you will sponsor yourself mm -hmm. because of uh, there's a criteria. So if you're earning maybe uh, over, I think it, when I last checked, 35,000 mm -hmm. right. and so forth, sometimes it's, it's taken if you own a property of right. a certain amount right. and so forth you will now qualify for a golden visa, right? Okay. Which means you cancel your visa from your employer mm -hmm. and now you sponsor yourself. Yes, okay. You get 10 years sponsorship. Mm -hmm. And if you're to lose your job, your residency do doesn't change. Mm -hmm. and secure here, You're secure yes. and so are your children. Mm -hmm. um, they can continue to go to school. Some mm -hmm. of the problems that we've had historically is that someone has been here for 10 years or someone like me, right. they lose their job yes. and they've got 30 days in which exactly. to get, right. worrying about putting their kids out of school right. and so right. forth. So um, are we moving in the right direction? Yes. yes. Mm -hmm. Is it becoming more accessible to everyone? Yes. yes. Okay. Okay, so we're moving that way. Mm -hmm. And then there's a green, you know, the green, green visa, visa, which will be even a lower threshold. Yeah, so five years, I think. I think what, what we're seeing is now people are thinking, oh, actually, I've got a golden visa, so I can buy a house. I'm going to stay here. I'm going to Exactly, here. growing the economics. Whereas historically, yeah. mm -hmm. it was just, oh, I'm going to be in Dubai for two or three years and right. go back home. Right, right, right. So the whole mindset of the expat community is changing. changing. Mm. Um, the labor law is relaxing now they're recognizing part-time working they're um, recognizing fl flexible working that's good. That's you know good. when i came here um you know you spoke to women um maybe uh you know parents who are like i would like to work but i don't want to work full-time right i want to work two or three hours when my kids are at right school. right now the labor law is is adapting okay. so that it's becoming more favorable to more different types of working arrangements okay whereas before it was just full-time employment yeah. and the exposure was full-time as well i didn't even know part-time was an option here you're absolutely it's, right it's, yeah it's, i did not know it's, that it's, yeah it's now an option okay whereas before the employer was like why would i take her on she's still going to be entitled to 30 30 day calendar days holiday yeah. right they're entitled to the gratuity same right. like a right. full-timer right? right right but now you can prorate all the oh, entitlements I so see. now employees are thinking okay now I could actually do a job share. So I can get you and you to be the receptionist. You yeah. come in for four hours, you come in for four yeah, hours. Yeah. So that's what you tend to find in other other countries around the world. Okay. So yes, yes right, do correct. I think um, the employment laws are improving? Absolutely. If you look in the DIFC, when it comes to end of service gratuity, mm -hmm. now they have dues, the DIFC Employee Workplace Savings Scheme, where end of service gratuity is now ring-fenced and protected. Mm -hmm. And we anticipate that will go throughout the whole UAE. So okay, excellent. We're, yeah. we're moving in the right direction. It might seem slow, but I think if you look at where we, where we were 10 years ago, mm -hmm. where we are now, and I think where we will be in 10 years' time, it will be, it'll be phenomenal. Yeah. I think just to note, like, um, especially for any teachers that are on, Teachers qualify for the green visa. Yes, they do. Right. Yeah, they do. Yeah. And, and, and mm -hmm. that's, that's amazing because it takes away the pressure of having to resign, look for a new job right, and right. all that stuff. Right. But I think the biggest thing that we never give the UAE credit for in terms of labor laws, mm -hmm. having worked in other Middle East GCC countries, right. the UAE is very progressive. That's yes, before they, they even started the labor changes, the yeah. labor law changes. So the new changes are totally way ahead and they, they give a sense of security because if someone is going to uproot their whole family, 
right. to come to the UAE mm-hmm. and um, you you put your kids into school, like you said, and you're working here. You don't want it to end overnight. Right. You need room to maneuver and do what uh, whatever you need to do. But Tenji mentioned gratuity and I'm going to run and jump to gratuity. So what's the gratuity calculation like? Okay, yeah. So um, end of service gratuity is um, a benefit that you get at the end of employment. It's calculated at 21 days for every year of service. So 21 days of the basic salary Mm -hmm. for every year of service. After the fifth year, it's it's then calculated at 30 days for every year of service, okay? So that's a benefit that you get at the end um, and it, it, it shouldn't be paid out during employment. It should only be paid. Oh, that's an end. interesting one. Oh, a sore spot for us, guys. So you said a sore spot. Gratuity cannot be paid out whilst you're working. What happens if it does? What happens if it's it is paid out? Employment is continuous. Okay. Yeah. So employment is continuous. So even where you renew your uh, limited contract. It's not the end of employment. It's just an administrative change, okay? The, the problem with paying out um, end-of-service gratuity in the middle of employment is technically the employee could be losing out because if you have pay rises over the years mm-hmm. yes. and you are paid out at this point, let's say after year two, mm-hmm. you're missing out from the uplift, uplift. right? Yeah. So if you started at 10000 um, dirhams a month, mm-hmm. and you finish at 15,000 dirhams a month, and that's your new basic. Mm-hmm. Your end of service gratuity for the whole duration is calculated on the 15,000. On the 15, right. Okay, so if you're paid out at year two, then there's going to be some sort of talk. Okay, uh, um, 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 I have two questions rising from what you just said. <laughs> it's really cool. Um, the first one would be Is there any way you can refuse? payment of gratuity in the middle of your contract well look you need to sign off your gratuity your employer will want you to sign off your gratuity so that you're releasing liability right so i suppose and obviously i'm not encouraging any war no no with employers (laughs) we don't want to go to war with them but but um you know you there's an expectation for you to to sign off to say i've received all my dues if i was representing i mean it's 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 a big exposure for the employer actually you pay it out and then the employee goes to court and says i've been working for this employer for 10 years right i want my end of service gratuity for the full duration they'll say you paid me i'll say it was a bonus Oh. oh, I mean, I would say Good to it, know. It, it, <laughs> I, I would say that is exposure because it's it's end of service gratuity. It's right, it's, 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 it should not be paid at any time between your employment, like you be, said because earlier. Because it can't be properly calculated. Exactly. Right. However, uh. if you look at the DIFC, so the DIFC um, uh, scheme is different, mm-hmm. and this is what's going to come eventually. What the, what the DIFC scheme is doing is employer employers are paying into this third party trust on a monthly basis, right? And it's equivalent to twenty one days for every year of service, or right. thirty days. 
So it's 5.83 of the basic salary is paid into juice on a monthly basis. But yeah. still, even in the DIFC, the employee cannot access that money exactly. until the end of employment. So it goes into a pot. Yeah. You can invest, you can play with it, but okay. you can't take that money out oh. until the employer tells um, the provider that who's Zurich okay. that this person has now um, finished employment okay. or they're on their notice period. Then they can take it out of the pot. Okay. Right? okay. So... If it, whichever scheme you look at, it, the oh. uh, benefits that you receive is at the end. Okay, the second question I wanted to ask is, you spoke about if your um, salary increases. Salary, salary increments. Um, what if you work for a job for 10 years and there's no salary increment? Is that standard? Is it mandatory for you to get a salary increment? Like, what? what's the... Um, law around salary increments and i want to just like just latch on to that so we're looking at that from the government standpoint and the private standpoint yeah so is there a difference between the two or not not, not really i mean i haven't seen anything in law that says you must receive a salary a pay rise Mm. okay yeah um it's usually contractual so most contracts will say something like um, you know, we will we will uh, review salaries on an annual basis, mm-hmm. but it will also say that we are not bound to have the right. It. Yeah, that little fine print that happens. If, there. however, you have a a company that has a policy mm-hmm. that on an annual basis we increase the salary by two percent, irrespective of the economy, right? company performance or whatever then mm-hmm. then potentially an employee could say this is a contractual benefit to the pay rise okay so we've we've had that before but you would have to as an employee show a pattern you'd have to also show that this pay rise is not a discretionary benefit right. but a contractual benefit then perhaps okay. but if we talk about the general rule no no okay and i mean that that sounds about right is especially yeah. being the uae depending on your grade level and stuff especially being mm-hmm. as a teacher so that's how that goes there as well and we keep on i'm just gonna throw this out we keep on saying difc i just want to make sure that our audience understands our acronym yes and those things so if you want to just share the difc yeah okay thank you um so the difc is a a free zone so the Mm -hmm. uae is made up of a mainland Mm -hmm. and many many free zones Mm -hmm. okay so the difc is the, uh, the, the Dubai International Finance Center, mm-hmm. and okay. they are a free zone. What's unique about the DIFC is okay. it's a common law jurisdiction, which uh. means it's got its own employment law and its own courts. So the bulk of what I've been talking about today okay. doesn't impact the DIFC. They have their own rules. Okay? Oh, wow. So wow. we spoke about sick leave. Their sick leave in the DIFC is 60 days. Oh, they wow. Have, they have 10... Uh, so basically, oh, you're saying days. I'm in the wrong profession right now. <laughs> <laughs> so, That's what it sounds like so, to me. So it's, it's, it's completely different. They've got, uh, the the um, courts are in English and so right, forth. Right. So that's the DIFC. Okay. Then you've got the ADGM. So it's the Abu Dhabi Global Market. They're okay. another jurisdiction okay. in Abu Dhabi. Again, on, on common law, they have their own courts. 
they have their own employment law, completely different. Then you have all the other free zones. So, right. you know, JAFSA, those are under the federal law. Those okay. are under the UAE labor law, okay. the same as a mainland. So they're based on what we've been talking about. Today. Oh, so okay. That, okay. That's all right. Um, since we've moved from gratuity and all these things, and then resignation, termination, and the big one that's currently on everyone's buzz is the unemployment insurance. Right. So the unemployment insurance is, is unique because I think one of the terms is you cannot have been terminated from yeah. the employment yeah. to receive it. And you can't have resigned from your current employment to receive it. So the biggest question everybody asks is, when can you? Because (laughs) there's been an emphasis on when you can't. So when can you benefit? So um, it's really meant to be a form of... um, It's meant to be a form of social security. So you can claim it when you've been fired when you've been terminated, when you've been made redundant, but not for misconduct. Oh, okay. So that's a good clarification. Not for misconduct. So you, it, because misconduct is, yeah. is because of you. Yeah. But if, for example, you've been made redundant, um, you've got hardships, so it's very important if there are HR managers listening to make sure that the termination letter clearly sets out the reason for termination. Because many times we see... Your, your employment's come to an end, but we don't actually know why. Okay. okay. And I'm just going to, we're, we're wrapping up here, but I want to just ask some of those, what, that one question that I know our audience is probably wondering as well, is that when you have an issue, yeah. when you have a problem with your employer yeah. and things like that, because unfortunately this things, these things happen. You, you don't, you, you come in and you're working hard, but unfortunately your relationship with your employer isn't all that it should be, or they're treating you unfairly. Yeah. Where do you report? Where do you go? How do you start this process without feeling like you're going to be attacked, yeah. like you're going to be shut down? Okay, so um, I always recommend employees to look and see what their internal process is. Mm-hmm. So you'll have a staff handbook. Right. Um, see, read your own staff handbook. If you have a problem at work, who do you speak to? Do you speak to HR? Do right. you speak to your line manager? Right. Um, see what that process is. Mm-hmm. I always recommend employees to try and exhaust the internal process mm-hmm. before they go outside. Mm-hmm. If they can't reach a solution, mm-hmm. um, then you can look at looking at the um, authorities. So you can approach the Ministry of Human Resources and Immunization. You can approach the free zone authority if okay. you have a dispute. Okay. You can also seek legal advice. Mm-hmm. So those of us that are lawyers, we do represent employees as well, not just employers. Okay. okay. So a big one. This is me. I have my issues at work. I come to you. First of all, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm breaking down the process. Um, do I need to hire a lawyer? Where do I find information about hiring a lawyer? How much do lawyers cost? Is it a good idea to do a court case? These are all the things that come to my mind when I think of whatever. So basically, okay, let's start from an easier one, right? Mm-hmm. Um, people automatically assume hiring a lawyer means you're going to court. Is that the case? No. Okay. No, not, not. In fact, very few of my cases go all the way to court. So I would say actually from the cases, maybe... Less than 10%. Okay. 
actually litigate. Oh wow! Oh wow! That's okay. good. So, a lot of uh, a lot of us in the legal profession, what we try and do is avoid disputes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. okay? Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, we have people who've been maybe, let's say, for example, unfairly terminated, or they've got a grievance and so forth. Sometimes we approach the employer mm-hmm. or the employer's appointed lawyers mm-hmm. and we resolve it and we close it. Okay. Um, so very few of the cases that you see us dealing with in court is the minority. Okay. A lot of employers are quite willing to wrap everything up so they can focus on business operations. And then who pays for the lawyer? Is it me <laughs> or my employer? party pays for their costs but we have had situations where um when we are agreeing a settlement we Mm -hmm. can say for the employer to pay the costs Mm -hmm. and some do especially um you know if it is to do with signing compromise agreements in the difc it's actually mandatory um for uh, an employee before they sign a settlement agreement a compromise agreement to have had the opportunity to seek legal Legal advice advice. so um, a lot of companies will cover that so it's not unusual for for me to advise on it (coughs) and actually the the bill for that advice is covered by the employer it doesn't always happen um but there are situations where they do wow Tenji, you have blown my mind, honestly, okay? Like, the amount of information that you've just shared with us has been been so, like, just informative, just, you know, just really understanding how it is to be an expat abroad in another country and how the law is not against us, but they're to help us. Because a lot of people, I think, feel that when they move to a new country outside of theirs, they might know their law in their country, but they may Mm. not 100% take the time to really know the law in this new country. So I want to say thank you so much for coming and sharing this advice, this legal advice. Because, wow, <laughs> I learned so much. I'm not going to lie. I thought I read my handbook, but <laughs> I need to go back and check that out real quick. All right? Because that's how that is. And, um, yeah. Um, wow. Just for our listeners out there, um, Tenji and Sarah Malik have written a book about DIFC and UAE employment law, A Comparative Guide. So get your copies on that. It is so worth the read. Yes. Okay. And it it gives you a head start. Everything is about information, guys. If you're going to be an expatriate, the first stop protocol is get to know where you're going, what's legal, what's not legal, so that you know how to maneuver your way around being an expatriate in any um, country yet. yeah and that will help alleviate some of that fear you might have yeah moving abroad bringing your family and stuff like that because believe it or not you know these countries have these laws for a reason they yes. understand that expats are coming they ex- understand that they want to grow their country and the uae is a prime example of mm-hmm. that the the growth is as we said earlier exponential and 
definitely come here and just, you know, understand that it's okay. You're not going to be, you know, ostracized if you have an issue, legal, a legal problem. It is okay to fight for your rights. So that's most important because being an expert is awesome. I got to yeah. agree. I, yeah, it's, it's wonderful. It. It. And we want to say once again, thank you, Tenji, for, thank you for having yes, me. Yes, we are so, so excited fun. to have you. This has been one of our longest episodes. <laughs> <laughs> but it's very informative, so please listen and come back to our next episode. This is Expat Chronicles with Kim and Lizzie. And thank you for coming and listening. All right. Yes. Woo!